You're listening to Trending with Timory. So, what's trending? Solidarity HealthShare is simple to help pay for affordable, quality health care. They enable the community to share in each other's eligible medical expenses. You choose the doctor that you want to see. Even integrative and alternative medical treatments are eligible. Solidarity HealthShare helps pay for NAPRO technology and costs associated with natural family planning. Solidarity HealthShare is dedicated to both faith and your health care. Information is available at SolidarityHealthShare.org. So I wanted to invite my colleague here at Relevant Radio, who congratulations, just got married this past Friday. Lucas Holt is a production associate here at Relevant Radio, helping to bring these great shows to air on Relevant Radio. Lucas, congratulations to you and your new wife, Gina. Thank you so much, Timri. Uh, really excited to be with you and uh, loving the conversation so far. Thank you. So how does it feel? You're a few days in to be a married man. You know, <laughs> it's great. Uh, it's been really good. Um, still adjusting to living with another human being, but uh, it's good. <laughs> um, yeah, we're still learning a lot. You know, we're still trying to figure it out. Um, but I think that's part of the beauty of marriage is that you learn together and grow together and figure out each other's flaws and each other's strengths and uh, journey towards heaven hand in hand. So it's been fun. <laughs> This is one of the incredible things I really have to say about being chased before you get married, not living together before you get married. You, you know, you have kind of all these new roommate, new relationship things. I mean, I remember, you know, just kind of debating over how to do dishes and what windows would remain open and the home would still be safe right. at night, yet we're not blazing hot while we're trying to sleep. Uh, you know, all these things come up. But I believe when you have a sense of chastity in your relationship before getting married, it really kind of begins to temper you and your attitude and the other virtues grow as well that you bring into marriage yeah i think that's absolutely right and you know it's it's funny listening to that clip that you played um in this previous segment about that uh young person talking about how just traveling and and things like that brought her happiness and this question that i think a lot of millennials and are, are asking which is what's the point of getting married like if i can still live with the person that I am in love with, that should be good enough. And plus, you know, I get all the benefits of whether it's sex, whether it's just, hey, we share the same finances, whether it's just having somebody to hold on to at night or, or whatever it may be. Um, the beauty of making that commitment and getting married really has to do, I think, um, with, as you mentioned, chastity within marriage even, you know, there's, I think, this lie that um, in order to be fulfilled, I have to receive this, this, and this. But in marriage, it's this paradox where you actually giving away and actually disciplining yourself can actually bring you joy, which sounds contradictory, but, um, you know, it's, it's hard to explain it to sometimes to young people, but mm. I think... That statistic that you pointed out in the beginning about divorce rates actually going down in New York is kind of an evidence that actually this is a good thing. 
You know, I think that this is a great testament because we don't always have to explain it. Sometimes we think we have to explain all the details, but in reality, our friends, our families, and even strangers in the culture, they see it. They see how, you know, you go grocery shopping together and you're getting along well and you enjoy talking to each other while you're waiting in the grocery line. You know, there are all these little moments that I think people really begin to appreciate about how you live your life and live it. Uh, You're living the Catholic sacrament in a special way. And I want to talk about that in just a few minutes here. But first, you know, you had to completely scale back and change your wedding. Can you tell us what your wedding was like in light of the quarantine? Who was there? What the celebration looked like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So it was a bit of a bummer. Um, Neither of our families could be there in person. But uh, it was really beautiful. We were able to live stream it on YouTube. And they were able to join us that way. And then afterwards, we had a room set up uh, where they could join us via Zoom and they could watch the reception. And we had uh, different family members uh, make speeches and all that. Um, you know, it was it was a little strange, I'm not going to lie, walking into this huge church and then it being pretty empty. Uh, we did have a few close friends and uh, people who supported us along the way and a really good priest friend of ours. Um, and so it was, it was below 10 people. Um, but I can't tell you how many people said, hey, that was such a beautiful wedding. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it just shows that the beauty of the sacrament, the beauty of the Mass reaches beyond just the physical parameters that we have. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously being in person is, is ideal, but, you know, praise God for the gift of technology. And I hope your friend's wedding who's coming up is is the same. Thank you for sharing that. And you know, it's funny. I have a question for you because there was a news article that came out that I really think is bogus and it should be bogus <laughs> if it isn't that priests were having to separate the bride and groom from each other, that even the bride and groom had to space <laughs> out six feet. I keep thinking of, you know, the quiet man in that comment, no patty fingers. And like, I feel like we're in like a wedding from a thousand years ago. Did you guys have to social distance during your wedding? Um, I can say that those rumors are false. <laughs> no, we, yeah, we, we did not have to do anything like that. So um, that's funny, though. <laughs> so that affirms it. No, no need to social distance with your soon-to-be yeah. bride. Uh, I will say, though, it it did cross my mind at one point. I was like, I was like, are, are we supposed to social distance? Like, I mean, can I still, like, kiss the bride at the ceremony? Did you like, ask permission? I didn't, but perhaps I should have. <laughs> I love those moments when the groom sometimes is like so nervous and excited. He actually asks the permission, like, can I kiss her now? And it's like, you know what's on his uh, mind. The poor guy is just like, dying. come on, like, let's move forward. Let's get uh, through all of this celebration. Right. I've got to say, though, low key, I was pretty nervous. Like, I was like shaking. Part of me was like, uh, like the reality. I was trying to hide it, but like, I was like, it was an excited nervous, but I was, I was low key. Like, all right, I hope this goes well. <laughs> What part were you most nervous about? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, one thing I was pondering throughout the entire morning was just the reality of the sacrament. And I was kind of just filled with, like, awe of what was actually taking place. You know, in the Catholic Church, we teach that marriage is a sacrament, that it's a real channel of God's grace, but it points beyond itself to a greater union that we have with God. And I just imagined, like, God looking at me the way I was looking at Gina. And that just was like, I could hardly take it in. So, yeah. 
And unconditional love, you start to kind of get a glimpse of why we have in the church kind of conversations like Ephesians chapter 5 when St. Paul talks about this comparison between the bride and groom and Christ and the church and the sacrifice that the groom makes in being called to make the same sacrifice that Jesus Christ made in laying down his life for his bride. And maybe that's just starting now with having to downsize a wedding. We'll be back in just a few minutes here with Lucas Holt to hear more about what it's like to have a quarantine wedding. You're listening to Trending with Timory, and I'm so excited. My colleague here at Relevant Radio, Lucas Holt, has joined me. He is behind the scenes as a production associate for our shows here at Relevant Radio. And he was just married, if you're just joining us, on Friday. Lucas, congratulations again to you and your bride, Gina. Tell me, how did this quarantine change your perspective on the celebration surrounding marriage? Yeah, thank you so much, Timmy. Um, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I think one of the biggest things is that it really drew my attention to the sacramentality of marriage. So not just the party of getting together and celebrating and dancing and eating food, but um, what's this all about? Why why is this a thing? And why is the why has God instituted it? Um, what are we really celebrating here? And the, the the way I like to look at it, and, and hopefully this is correct, if my theology is wrong, correct me. Um, you know, Gina and I coming together as one, it brought me so much joy to think of the fact that, like, no matter how happy I am with her, and I'm going to be even infinitely more happy in the union with God in the wedding to come. And that's the cause for celebration. The fact that we have hope. As followers of Christ, um, even if we may face trials right now, that ultimately we're going to be wed to our maker. And that is cause for celebration and joy. Lucas, you really made me think of uh, something I've seen in the culture that is so frustrating because boy, it puts a lot of responsibility on one spouse. And that is this attitude that we sometimes have that the other spouse is responsible for making us happy. And if they're not making us happy, well, then we're just not happy. But the reality is, you know, there are difficult times. There's sickness. There are financial struggles. There are fertility struggles. I mean, there are all these things that occur. And when there's that much pressure put on the other person, it destroys marriage. But you, I mean, you have have an incredible gift of insight right here at the beginning of your marriage that you recognize this is just a glimpse of what I'm ultimately looking for to be united to our Lord Jesus Christ in heaven and that he is my ultimate happiness, not my wife. And I think that's pretty profound coming from a newlywed right now. (laughs) Well, you know, I will say it's easier said than done. Um, It's a struggle to live it out each day um, to put God first, but I definitely think that's the key to happiness in marriage. And One of the crazy things is that, you know, oftentimes the joy comes through the trials, too. I think, you know, if you just look to, or we're going to travel together, or we get to sleep together now, or if we get to do X, Y, and Z together, it's going to be so amazing because I'm going to be doing it with my best friend. And that's all true. Those things are going to be great. But, you know, I can't even tell you 
how many times, Timory? There's been times uh, in Gina's engagement or when we were just dating where I was like really sick, and she would like come over and like take care of me and like help me, like you know, as I was going through this. And I can't tell you how much joy that brought me to like, wow, this person cares for me that much. That's amazing. Um, and I think, you know, when we look to the sufferings too, um, that can bring us a lot of joy too. I don't know if you've experienced that, but. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, the most difficult moments have been kind of the moments that have strengthened us the most. You know, last fall, I found out that I had two autoimmune diseases that impacted very seriously fertility um, and both conceiving and continuing to carry a baby. And I remember calling my husband that day and, you know, just kind of sharing the news with him as I was driving home and processing it. And he kind of said, okay, if you have this, I have this. You know, this is not just one-sided. This is the two of us. And he would remind me over and over again in that first year of marriage, um, you need to stop trying to live as if you're doing this by yourself. And I think that that's one of the great benefits of a marriage is we really actually begin to understand Wow, like this isn't just me. My pain is my spouse's pain and my struggle is my spouse's and we're called to carry this cross together now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love what you said there. And that's a really beautiful um, way you put that. And I think like how you phrased that, you know, you're not, you realize that you're no longer living for yourself. Um, when you're just living for yourself, you're often going to be disappointed or let down or find out that, what you hoped really would give you meaning maybe didn't really give you as much meaning as you thought it would. Um, but when you live together for God, it gives you that meaning. And that's a beautiful thing. Okay, I have another question for you. If you're just joining me, that is Lucas Hole. He and his bride, Gina, were just married Friday during the quarantine. He works here at Relevant Radio, and he's behind the scenes working on a lot of the shows that you get to hear every day as a production associate. Uh, so here's my question. When I was engaged, a lot of people just sometimes even had a difficult time wrapping their head around, you know, the change that marriage would bring. They're like, oh, you know, nothing's changing that much because, you know, people who didn't know me well such as my pilates clients are like oh you know so like what's really different I said well you know we're gonna planning where we're gonna live together and they go hold on a second you don't live together no we don't they said you never live together no and they would be shocked after making that assumption that we did not live together when they thought we did and then it was fascinating to me who because people who are completely okay with shacking up suddenly had a tremendous amount of respect and curiosity for how I did what I did in waiting to have sex till marriage. Because, of course, then they ask, uh, you know, okay, well, if you're not living together, are you having sex before you get married? Well, no. And they're like, wow, you're such an anomaly. Did you go through any of that as well? Um, that's that's really funny. Um, not a whole lot, um, but I will say... Um, I th it's it's kind of easy to tell sometimes when you're talking to people that they just kind of assume that you're living together, even though we neither Gina or I were living together. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we kind of wanted to move up the wedding day too, due to the travel restrictions put in place by the pandemic. We weren't able to really see each other that much. Um, it's really interesting. So are you saying that actually people had more respect for you once you told them that? Yeah, they, they were sometimes like overly curious. It's like I was that really odd person to them who they couldn't just <laughs> understand quite yet. And then they'd be like, okay, they go from like shocked and kind of think I was odd to, well, you're different and maybe that's okay. I have some respect for you. And then it would transition to where they're like, actually, what you have is kind of special. And 
there's something to this and their questions will become more profound and less base as they'd start because they'd be like, okay, so you're not having sex? You know, they, they would just be so baffled by this. And I think it's just such a testament, you know, when you are living a chaste lifestyle, when you are, you know, being willing and open to talk about it and show your witness, it really does have an influence on those around you without necessarily having to speak up. They can ask the questions that they want to ask. Well, it's, it's interesting, too, because part of me is wondering now that you mentioned that, like, when did this start? You know, when when did it become normal to just live together? And I don't I don't have the data on that. It's not something that I've personally done research into. Um, maybe you have. And because I would you know, I wouldn't think it would always have been like that. And I'm curious what triggered that, why it's appealing. Um, Contraception if, made it possible. You know, it, it really didn't point. make it possible. Yeah, because before contraception was a norm, there were consequences to having extramarital affairs, having sex before marriage. You know, shotgun weddings used to be a thing because you were supposed to take responsibility for a child. But when that responsibility went away and then we had the fail safe of abortion, that changed how we could liberate ourselves sexually, per se. That's really interesting point. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, contraception is a great point, and that's making me think of uh, now St. Pope Paul VI encyclical letter, Humana Vitae, in which he makes that point. It takes away the responsibility. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. sex becomes a means of utility, and if there aren't any consequences to sex, you can just have it. Well, why not just live with the person? I mean... Yeah. And that was, what, in the 60s, I think? So Right, 69. Um, you know, it's interesting you say that because during the break, uh, Josh was asking you and I about, you know, being a married person, you know, how kind of do you respond to these questions that the culture has? And you and I were talking about how I sought for my husband and you've experienced as well. There's this change in mission. There's like this whole new, your life begins to like orbit in an even clearer direction and you have this deeper sense of responsibility. And Josh asked, you know, do people ever think that sounds chauvinistic? and like, you know, it's male dominance and male control. And as you kind of just pointed to the encyclical Humana Vitae from St. Pope Paul VI, no, it's the fact that there's a level of responsibility for the husband, for the wife, and the wife for the husband. And because we're different as men and women, the responsibilities look a little different. So that orients each of our mission in a very particular way. Yeah, and I I find that True with my experience, too. Um, you know, I think I would say one thing that has changed since we've I, since I've been married is that I have become kind of more mission minded. Like, OK, it's it's like my job to take care of Gina now and like protect her and make sure she's healthy and well and not in a domineering way. Like I'm going to run things the way I see fit and all that. But uh ideally an attempt to in a self-sacrificial way like Christ gave himself up for the church and I think that's one of the biggest lies in current culture is that if the man's the head of the house that means the female doesn't have any power Mm. but if the man is the head of the house and he's leading in a way like Jesus that means that he's going to have the best interests of the woman in mind and she's actually going to be empowered through that kind of in in a paradoxical way I think and um, that's such a reason why contraception is just not a good thing. Um, 
you know, I, I could go on, but I'll spare our listeners. <laughs> That's Lucas Hole. He's my colleague here at Relevant Radio, production associate. Lucas, thank you for everything that you're doing, and congratulations again to yourself and Gina on your recent marriage. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much, Timmy. Really enjoyed it. You can listen to more of Trending with Timmy via the Relevant Radio app or at relevantradio.com/trending.